0: Welcome to the Friday Workplace Briefing. Workplace law changes so quickly. Tune in weekly to find out how the law is changing and what you need to do. Your hosts are Andrew Douglas, Managing Principal, FCW Lawyers, and Karen Liu, Principal Consultant, Sound Consulting.
1: Well, good day, Matt. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thank you, Andrew. Had
0: Hopefully, it, a little bit better than you said Yeah, better than me. I've actually had my strips all and I've had my cup of tea. I've still
1: got my cup of tea. Was the honey in there? No. A bit a of a lemon? lemon? No, nothing. Oh, lemon. none of the
0: remedies, Andrew. Yeah, none of the home tools for betterment. That's right. But um, Matt is Karen today. we were meant to have Nina, Matt, and I. Yeah. So that's it's the new format. Mm. Um, but Nina's out in court, so just best of luck with Nina there. Yeah, yep. So it's back to you and I, Matt. I oh, know, yeah. So it's not really different.
1: No, that's very true. It seems it's a bit the same, same,
0: yeah. different. Yeah, that's right. That's okay, right. well, look, let's get down to it. We're actually talking about enterprise agreements today, but before we start on enterprise agreements, because there are some very significant challenges around enterprise agreements going forward. Mm-hmm. Vaccination. COVID. 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 None of us really want to talk about it. No, no. Let's, let's, there's been a couple of interesting things happening, mm-hmm. um, if I can just sort of get it going. One is... Yep. The most recent full bench smashing of the anti-vax constitutional cases, that's <laughs> another one in the bag, Yep, yep. another nail in the coffin. anti vaxers are losing every single jurisdiction. That's right. Yep. In every way there are. Yeah, every possible way. <laughs> so in every possible way, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's not a bad thing. No. But what is yep. happening is there's been a change in the mandate. So
1: what's happening with that? Yep, yep, that's right. So obviously over the last few weeks in Victoria and largely sort of around the country as well with the various mandates... Removal entirely of any vaccination requirement under pandemic or public health orders, which was a step further than we predicted uh, a couple of weeks ago when it was announced that the booster dose requirement was going to go. Now, no requirement to be vaccinated under those orders in most industries, yeah, some three, small exceptions. Yes, that's right. But really, the draw, when we
0: look at what's happening, so let's do have a look we have got some new regs that have come through which give you greater powers to seek information.
1: That's right. That's right. So the new um, oh and regs around COVID in Victoria now provide employers with an explicit power to collect, record and hold vaccination information if it relates to a control they're exercising in their workplace to prevent the transmission of COVID. So that's
0: interesting because what... These changes absolutely mean in the industry is just because the government walks away because it's unpopular to do it, not on health advice, mm-hmm. but they don't want to talk about COVID anymore because it's bad news. That's right. That doesn't change the level of risk. If I can just use our business, we've lost 32 days in two months on COVID. Yeah. It's a lot. We averaged 2.4 days a year absentees in pre-COVID.
1: Mm-hmm. So massive change in loss. Huge. Of productivity. Huge. So vaccination is important. what does it mean? Yeah, well, what it means really is that it's clear messaging from the government that uh, the management of COVID is back on employers. You know, this is now solely a workplace risk that you need to assess through all the relevant and usual tools that you assess workplace risks. So you can't rely anymore on the government sort of to swing in and put a set of rules in place to tell you how and what you need to do or have that threat of it, if I can put it that way, over employees to comply. Really, it's now COVID is again... A workplace risk, we know about it, it's there, the transmission is high, the hospitalisations are high, so it's a risk that you need to now be thinking about controls that you put in place in the workplace, again, to and, manage. And look, Australians are larrikins, so yes. at the moment you take away the law, they don't
0: do it. That's right. In fact, when you've got the law, they're inclined not to do it, but when you take it away, they definitely don't do it. Two that's million right. Victorians, dose three and it's free. Yeah. Like, you're killing me.
1: That's, so that's right. really yeah. Exactly, and the fourth dose, you know, been expanded from Monday uh, to people 30 years and over uh, with a recommendation for it for people who are 55 years and over. So, again, what you're going to end up having really is a cohort of employees with different levels of protection based on personal choice, and that's a real risk factor that you so need to control.
0: I guess the answer is we have a process around this, so just speak to Matt or Nina mm. or me or Kim, really. you got to have it. Because it's a genuine risk. Yeah. And you've got to manage it.
1: Yeah. And the government's right. not
0: doing it anymore for you.
1: That's right. If the policy's there and you haven't blown the dust off it because you've been waiting for the, you've been relying on the government directions, so it's time to blow the dust off it. Or if you don't have one, start thinking about it. And man, to do yeah, the yeah, whole thing place.
0: in one go. Not that's just, right. Not just bits and pieces. That's right. All right. Well, look, let's just one other quick thing. Site rigs, you'd be incredibly disappointed to no, know the Victorian government hasn't pushed them through. Don't actually know why. There's about 79 submissions that have been made to WorkSafe. The unions are all, haven't quite realised they aren't law yet and they're out there doing doing site visits, complaining about psychological hazards. Yeah, we've seen it. Yeah, yeah but it is going to come in very shortly and you must adjust your policies and processes around again, reach out and talk to us and we'll give you a hand. It's not hard. Yes. yeah, it's essential that you do.
1: That's right. And best practice, if you're assuming as many of uh, the unions and so on are, then they are in place. Can't hurt to be, uh, you know, trying to comply with them or Now, in March this
0: year, we took you through the seven steps of what you've got to do for enterprise agreement. We're not going to go through that again. But, Matt, when we look at what's happening, two particular sources of data, one which is the wage data Mm -hmm. for for rises, Mm -hmm. quarterly rises up until 30 June 2022, Mm -hmm. and the number of people who are subject to enterprise agreements.
1: What's the data say at the moment? Yeah, look, the data's really fascinating sort of on both those topics, particularly sort of around, you know, the coverage of enterprise agreements. I mean, if you look at the the trend over the last decade, it's been a marked decline of the number of employers and employees that are covered by enterprise agreements, sort of at a high watermark of around about 40% coverage of, of industry in 2010. We're now down basically to around 30%. So... Over that decade... that
0: 30%, if you extract non-public service... That's right. The amount is actually very small. In
1: exactly right. So private sector enterprise bargaining is perhaps, at, well, I think it's fair to say it's lowest level that it's ever been. And then in the wages sense, of course, as well. So, you know, a lot of this sort of inflation data that came out over the last sort of two months, I think took a lot of lay people by surprise, in fairness, us as well. And so the data, obviously, as it trended for the wage rises across enterprise agreements and just more broadly, uh, sort of sat around that kind of 2 to 2.5%. Two but that inflation data that obviously came out just before the federal election has just entirely blown that out of the water. So the next quarter, when we get that data, will be absolutely fascinating, I think, to see that that high inflation rate will have a really significant marked impact on the trend for wages. But And the fair work. Commission has already made its decision. That's right, yes, of course. So, obviously, we had the Fair Work Commission issue the Modern Ward minimum increase of 4.6% and then the National Minimum Wage increase of 52 So, we already have the sort of authoritative body in this space saying, look, this is what we think, you know, the lowest paid people in society should be using as or should have as their increase. So, it's a real benchmark now for other agreements.
0: And Matt extracted this information for me once before, but the bottom line is, the Fair Work Commission never go below the head inflation rate.
1: That's right. Out of Nine out of the last ten have been at least level, or if not above, level with the inflation rate. So, you know, there's a likelihood, as we go to see, when we come to talk about our two-, three-, four-year cycles for enterprise agreements, I think there's going to be a consistent trend really there that those minimums are going to increase at least at the level of inflation. So let's talk about what that means, because
0: when we look at that data... There's a couple of things that jump out. One is wage data is utterly irrelevant now. That's one thing. Yeah, yep. Because we've been disrupted by inflation. That's now, right. Now, there was another disruptor we had prior to that, which was COVID. Yeah. Prior to that early, and that was a recession that was looming and is now perhaps back if we get a credit squeeze. Mm-hmm. So the enterprise agreement that you had two or three years ago, you'd have to be stupid to think it's relevant to now. Yes, yeah, yeah. But... You will be stupid because you'll have an argument which is let's deal with the union logins, see what is the wage growth we get, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, of course, would miss every opportunity you ever had. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the data that Matt's given you has told you something very clear. What you did in the past was not effective during COVID Mm -hmm. and will not be effective now given input costs because Mm. when we talk about inflation, it seems to sit out there as some ethereal concept. That's right, yeah. The reality is there's two major costs to business. One is inputs to production and services, and the other is wages. Yeah, yep. And the underlying inflation rate is not capturing for any manufacturer the true cost that's coming through logistics and supply chain. No, that's absolutely right. So if you look at a box coming from overseas, mm-hmm. it's now four times more expensive to bring that box over. Mm-hmm. And there's a waiting time, which means you're caught with sovereignty issues around, can I actually build what I'm building? Mm-hmm. So you have all this waiting time that's, that's sort of right. sitting in it as well. Mm. So what I want you to take is the first thing is don't look at the agreement you had and go, oh, that seems
1: good. Yes, that's right. I mean, look, a rare thing yeah. I think to take from any agreement that if it was implemented prior to the start of the pandemic, I think a lot of learning across the board about what works and what doesn't work from those agreements. So um, that- you and I have a system that we use.
0: We do. So let's talk about triage. What are the things you do when you first sit down before the union company? By
1: that's the way, right. before the union company. Oh, can we, we cannot emphasise <laughs> that enough. That is so, so triage, what are the five major elements of triage? Yes, that's right. So, I mean, look, it's all sort of temporally how you look at this, really, when you're addressing your current enterprise agreement. You're sort of you're six months out from when your normal expiry date's coming. You know that it's going to be time to get a new one and yeah. start thinking about what you look at. So... The first thing, obviously, that you want to do, look at, despite what we just said about, you know, about the past and and accepting that what didn't work then or didn't would work now, you really do have to sit down with your agreement as it was and sit back and look at, well, what did we get and what did we not get from that time when we sat down to negotiate this last And where time? were the red flags? What, that's what right. What did the union resist and why? That's right. That's right. Because, look, unions obviously shift employees of job purposes
0: and objective. But remember, right union, unions are like trains and we like cars. That's right. Unions go in one direction yes. and they follow the same direction mm. and they repeat. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. we like cars. We dodge around to get yep. the best result. Mm-hmm. So the past does tell you the future of the union. It does.
1: It absolutely does. So you've
0: got those does. red flags. You've got, yep. okay, we've looked at our green, This is what we needed. And now, second part is you go, okay, what clauses will work for us in the future? Yeah.
1: What are good? What are going to get in our road? And what are neutral? That's right, you know, and when you look at things like one of the biggest issues, I think, for example, Andrew, that's a really great indicator of this was flexibility, you know, over the last sort of past couple of years to adapt and respond to the shocks of COVID. What flexibility did your current agreement have and did it work in the way that you needed to in addressing those sort of shocks? Mm. If the answer to that is no, well, then that gives you a great indication of what your priority should be moving into this next year. So that's it. So tabulate good,
0: bad and indifferent. Yes, and come up with an answer for bad and that's then right. prioritise it based on what is the return to the business as yeah. to what I must have or golden rules that you must get. That's right. You must yeah. have your own log. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Third element is what is the future cost to the business? Yes. Yeah. You know, what, are, right. what are the things that are coming along? What's yeah. the, the likely? So we know in fuel costs, we've got eight to ten months of high fuel costs. Yeah. And then they're not going to go back to where they were. Yeah. Don't divorce it from the modelling. I think yeah. The that, that's, ah, insert right. it all in. And also look at at what is the input you're going to do to make sure, so I'm going to, I'm going to put in some automation, I'm going to put in some capital. Mm. Well, the timing of your agreement is critical around if I'm going to take 40 people out of the business, mm. I'm not going to have the nominal expiry date two days after I announced that. No,
1: no. So no.
0: plan your length of the agreement, but yeah. also
1: the total cost of the agreement. That's right. That's right. Total cost of the agreement, I think, is something that quite often is missed, really, when people address enterprise agreement century. You know, they don't think about... And
0: don't it do there. dumb wages. So No. Don't, and we were no. just chatting about this. Don't yeah. do wages as percentage rises. No. You must, in a time of volatility and inflation, do it as a percentage or at the yeah. rate of CPI or of a particular underlying inflation...
1: Based over a period of time. Yes, that's right. That's right. And look, unions never ask for that, of course. And yeah. what we've already seen, sort of uh, since one July, even in the just last couple of days, mm. is we've already seen a couple of log of claims where unions are simply taking the inflation rate and adding two or three percent on top of it. So one, for example, we saw the other day asking for seven percent increases across the board. So the sort of thing that, you know, that's why you need to take these steps. So let's at. be, you know, we, we think
0: inflation will level and drop after around about two years. You've got yes. a three-year agreement. Remember, each aggregate, each step you add on accumulates. So yes. if you've got three, three, and three, it's actually 11.3%. That's right. So if you've got five, seven, and then four, that's a massive amount of It's a huge increase. Particularly huge when inflation huge. may drop right down to 2 or 3%. That's right. And so what you need is, capacity for your agreement to move with inflation. Yes. Not being, we'll do four, we'll do five here, it's going to be higher next year, we'll Mm. agree to five there, and we'll do four. Yeah, that's right. And suddenly you're 1.5% above the inflation rate. Yeah. And you're you're actually 3.5% because the accumulation ahead of where you should be. Yeah. And it's just pure cost.
1: Well, that's right, Andrew. And I think also importantly when we talk about sort of, you know, looking at these wage increases and tying them to inflation, the other thing you're doing in that way is you're going to be mirroring what the Fair Work Commission does around the national minimum wage and modern award for the reasons we just and, discussed. And, and they're sitting with your business plan.
0: So there's a single line of sight. And look, the last part is you must then get in with your managers and work out how to make it cost neutral. That's right. And this isn't about cutting costs. This no. Is, this is actually about how to create productivity through this process yep. to make the input costs yeah. and the wages input costs neutral because mm. the margins that we're all charging in all business are shrinking. Yes. Because of the nature of supply. Absolutely. So let's leave that there. These yeah. are things we really want to get out today. That's right. Cost neutrality but is the biggest. Let's point. talk about some of the really interesting changes that you must put in. Oh, I guess I the right. most
1: obvious is stand-down. stand down. Stand down has got to be the most obvious one. It's, it's, gotta um, be it's got <laughs> <a>, to <it's got> be. <laughs> it's got to be. If there's anything that's been disputed more <laughs> in an industrial context. No, we should
0: pat each other on the back. We should. That was quite Yeah, no, I feel like we're I mean, on Fox at this time. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should say something that's really atrocious about yeah. someone and Matt goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, but, but perhaps. No. You know, like I said, during the stand-down, <laughs> yeah. clause 524,
1: yes, I've got a number right. right. You, so, did, you did, um, yes.
0: Is a box and dice. In other words, everyone's got to be stood down for be yep. effective. Yep. And nearly everyone repeated that clause within their enterprise. Agreement, yeah, verbatim, like they did, verbatim. Which means it didn't work during COVID where it could affect groups of employees, right. but the yep. other parts of the business could go and... It
1: was litigated to death. Oh, to death. Tell us a bit about, about the Qantas decision, what he'd actually said around this issue. Yeah, so look, really helpfully, you know, through all this litigation, we did get this full court decision of the Federal Court looking at this. And effectively what they said was, well, look, actually you can, on an interpretation of 524, apply this to separate parts of the business. However, what you cannot do is simply just make that as an arbitrary decision. There is a chain of causation that you have to prove. You've got to show, yes, look, your action as the employer can be the thing that stops the work, absolutely, but then you've got to demonstrate that that is a cause from which you have had no control or for a cause over which you had no control and that then it was reasonably necessary to do. And um, people couldn't otherwise be usefully used. That's right, that's right. Now, why that's unhelpful, of course, is that that is always going to be applied very contextually and factually. So on the wording of 524 alone, even with that decision, in certain circumstances, depending on the nature of your business, that language will just see that a simple part of your business, needing a stoppage, will not be a justification for a stand-in. Now, the advantage of 524
0: is that it's not mandatory. You can actually create... Yeah. You can create your own clause yeah. of stand-down, which does give you greater licence to use it more flexibly. That's
1: right. It's expressly acknowledged yeah. that you
0: can yeah. do that. So okay. um, Matt and I have drafted one that does that. And yep. what I'd say to you it is one of the keys. Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. One key. Absolutely. Because in nearly all the businesses we act for, it was very hard to prove. Yes. Full stand-down. It was right. very easy to demonstrate that we did need to partially, but the causation issue became, say, complex. Yes, that's right. Okay, that's so right. that's that issue done. Next one is pandemic leave. Yep. We know the unions are pushing for it. I'm going to deal with this really because of time. Please, yes. Don't stick it in the enterprise agreement. You'd have to be a norm to do that. Yep. The unions pushing. Can you just, COVID and pandemic should all be wrapped up in the one policy. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Remember, people come to work for you by your website, not by your enterprise agreement. Yeah, Your enterprise agreement should be as small as possible so your managers can use it as a simple tool. Yeah, you want to be practical. And all the benefits people get, all the wellbeing issues, all those creative good things that are good, Stick them with policy. Put them on your website. Yeah. Tell people why you're a good place to work. But don't put them in an inflexible agreement that ties to you mm. and you're caught during volatility handing out money and doing things you actually can't afford to
1: do. That's right. That's right. Okay. And and if the circumstances mean you've got to depart from some of those principles, which unfortunately, I mean, COVID is a great example of when you need to, you're stuck with that as context that the commission the Fair Work Commission will use when interpreting Um, So we've also got some other things besides
0: pandemic. There's all sorts of leave people. At the moment, nobody actually wants to come to work. No, no, look,
1: that's very fair. I mean, yeah, what we're seeing sort of across the board from particularly large employers is various different types of leave and increasingly seeing that now into enterprise agreements. Things like uh, lifestyle leave, um, gender affirmation leave, sort of broader wellbeing leave entitlements. We see this, I mean, there's been two recent agreements now, both from sort of very progressively minded organisations, uh, the Youth Climate Council and the Australian Council of Social Services that have included these sorts of leave. Now, obviously very aligned with the values of the organisation and a great setter of those uh, and values. And one rule is things do, why aren't they policy? Well, that's the key point. And that's why we're seeing that the, the, on the opposite side, we're seeing a lot of the big employers, Telstra, Optus, introduce these similar sort of uh, leave entitlements, but in the form of policy. So our sort of strong recommendation, Andrew, is, look, these are great things to have and they align with your values. That's really, really important. But there's no need for them to do that. No, have they're in your policy. Agreement. They're in your website. That's right.
0: And that's where people who want to work for you go to look. That's they right. Don't go in the Enterprise Agreement. They look at money. Yep, yep. They want dollars on the slip, yeah. Dollars that's on the right. slip. They want opportunity inside the business. Yeah. And they want to know that you're a clever and advanced employer. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be in the Enterprise Agreement. No, so that's they don't exactly put it right. In. Yeah, exactly right, Andrew. All right. Uh, so, let's hit the next one, which is the case study. The case study. We're not
1: losing the case study in our new structure. And Sophie
0: has once again doctored this to take everything out of it. <laughs> All
1: right. Eldon Terrell was the owner of Blade Runner PTYLTT, a manufacturer of synthetic skin substitutes used for healing wounds. The manufacturing process used pluripotent stem cells to culture and grow, I told you, I know, where, you where is where is, Kathy? Kathy? Where, where is is Karen Karen now? And yeah. And grow patent skin without the risk of bodily rejection. I think it's maybe patient skin. Patent skin. That's no, I, mean. I like patent skin. Though. Patent skin. You can patent skin. Yeah. 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 Blade Runner procured this element from another manufacturer, JFS, who supplied these cells as a compound.
0: Can I just say JFS was the toy maker? Yes. It was Sebastian. I just, she destroyed this. Yes, she that has. That was she the knows. toy maker who was killed. Yes. Anyway, I just wanted to say. Yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. That's
1: fair. Yeah. I mean, relevant to the standout. Yeah, in, 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 in early July... JFS informed Eldon they could not fulfil their order for the compound due to industrial action. Upon learning this, Eldon told the opera- his operations manager, Rick DeCard, that they would need to Harrison stand... forward. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Maybe a good operations manager, really. Uh, <laughs> they would need to stand all employees down. Rick called a meeting with all production and maintenance employees and Leon Kowalski, the Australian Workers' Union organiser. He explained that Blade Runner would run out of the compound in two days' time and therefore would need to cease manufacturing. Rick considered redeployment options, but after several meetings, he issued stand-down notices for all production employees, which came into effect in three days. He indicated that maintenance workers would be stood down when there was no further planned maintenance. The following day, he issued stand-down notices to maintenance workers, which came into effect in six days' time. All stand-downs were without pay. The stand-down provisions of the maintenance production EAs were the same. 12.1, the employer is entitled to stand-down employees without pay where production ceases due to a lack of supply or a breakdown in equipment or during any other stoppage of work for any cause for which the employer cannot reasonably be held responsible. The first question
0: is, was it lawful to do an immediate partial stand-down under EA clause, and that should be 524, I always make that up, sorry. 524, the Fair Work for production workers.
1: Well, first question is, was this a partial standout? Yes. Well, this is the thing. I mean, it sort of was in a way, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Because the, the, we had the two different parts of the business, the maintenance and the production workers being treated separately here. Now, admittedly, with different enterprise agreements, yes, but they weren't all stood out at the same time, different parts of the so business. So if we look at five to
0: four, that's what should be there, this has re- got a real problem. This absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, Matt, who helped me argue several of these cases, mm-hmm. would say, well, you can see the cause the chain. Yep. The compound wasn't supplied. That's right. And it's really a matter of just gradually breaking down the business. First, there's no production in two days. Yep. The whole plant mates is done. So it is a causative chain, and there are a series of cases around General Motors case. And That's right. It, yep. It suggests, but the difficulty here is it may have been lawful to do this partial stand down process, mm-hmm. but you'd be in the federal court argument.
1: That's right, yeah. So this is a perfect example of where that language is missing, the language that you and I have collectively put into these new standout provisions that we're drafting. It's not without a shadow of a doubt here. That's the issue, is that if you're going to get litigation about something, it's always about something that takes money out of the pockets of people. And stand downs are the perfect example of where that creates dispute. And look, here you've
0: got a consultation process. Even So if we look at Commission Bissett... Yes, Okay.
1: You broke your. your well, we, we were doing so well. 25 minutes, we almost made it, Andrew. And it's then we're well. you
0: at your favourite deputy president. <laughs> yes, yeah. So we've got a deputy president who believes the consultation process ran stand down for seven days is fine. Yep. We've got Commissioner Bissett who would say that it needs to be two weeks, yep. even though you've run out of production in two days. That's right, yeah. And you've got other commissioners and deputy presidents who would say, look, if you run out, you run out. Yep. And there is an urgency that sits around. Yeah, the urgency, Andrew, yeah. Can you smell the pain coming in, yeah, in this, by yeah, the way? Because right. no, I can I'm, smell it. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So, the first argument you're going to have is around what's the consultation? Remember, there's two types of consultation there's the consultation required under 524. Yep. And then there's consultation required under the award. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's a major change. It is absolutely a major change.
1: Something often forgotten, I think. Yeah.
0: So, you've got this combination of consultation, yeah. and the composite process is not easy. Now, What you've got to say is, this is the cause, mm-hmm. this is how it will affect the business. Yeah. and you've got to consult immediately and see whether there's a way of changing that. That's right, yeah. And then the obligation to mitigate under the ward, but also the obligation to just find alternative work, which yeah. is economically viable work. That's right. So yeah. It can't be, oh, we can all do cleaning. Yeah. Do you see how, how difficult each step of this oh, is? It's and if annoying. you land yeah. with a commissioner or a deputy president who goes, well, we think it takes two weeks,
1: yeah. you're broke. That's right, that's right. You know, that's the difficulty with this um, you know, ch- unchanged provision. You've got the tiniest of timeframes to put it in, and then you're just sending yourself off down to the commission or the courts to argue about so it. There's, so that's where you are,
0: whereas if you can do it partially mm. and you set a process in place as mm. to what it looks like through the consultation provisions in your own mm. enterprise agreement, mm. look where you are. Yeah, yeah you're there, you're doing within a reasonable time, and nobody can impose their own politics or their own views. That's, that's a key point, Andrew, absolutely. They just go yeah. to the black letter and say, oh, so I yeah. can do this, this is yeah. how I do it. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I can yeah. do it all in this period
1: of time. Yeah, and look at Venice too, what we are seeing, unions are also asking for clarification around this. Yeah. That's the interesting part, you know, and it's not simply employers going, look, we want more clarified stand-down provisions. Actually, the unions are wanting it too because they want some certainty for their employees and their members.
0: So... Okay, well, let's jump into this. So would it be lawful to stand down maintenance workers where the loss
1: of supply did not directly affect their work? So the answer to this one is yes. What the Qantas decision really demonstrated for us is that, look, it doesn't have to be direct causation. There can be indirect factors that are relevant to how the stoppage of work arises and why there's no reasonable opportunity. And what this we can say from here, and this really came out of the COVID impact, of course, because like when you look at it from the outside, you say, OK, well, did COVID, in the Qantas example, stop the engineers from working on the planes? Well, COVID itself, the virus, didn't do it. right? So, of course, the direct argument falls away. But that's how the courts have said, look, you look at this in a commercial way. You know, we're not suggesting that down has to be devoid of commercial context and that commercial context brings in the opportunity to look at the indirect impacts. So COVID, government restrictions, no planes flying, no need for planes to have engineers on it. That's the chain of causation. And so we've seen in some beautiful
0: old cases where Mana- we're in a manufacturing area, Yep, maintenance guys took industrial action Yep, and so they stood down the production workers mm. on the basis that it's not a safe working environment when Maintenance are not there, making sure the machinery is safe and and once again the court said, Yeah, look, if the person who's looking to make sure that it's safe and working well is mm-hmm. not there,
1: it's not safe to do it. That's right. And the general motive is funny, Andrew, yeah. you know, couldn't you get a particular type of heater for yeah. a particular type of factory, moved all the work from one factory as much as it could, closed down the other one, in direct impact? They court said that was a perfectly lawful yeah. stand So that's it, that's a case
0: where you can't build the car without it. I mean, you can no, build it, but yeah. there's no point. You just no, have an inventory right. of yeah. 400 cars without a heater.
1: Exactly, 50% of the stock of the supply of the heater gone in a single instance has an impact, yeah. and the color, so really that company was recognised. So remember, that. all of this can be documented.
0: Absolutely, and there is a very simple yes. pathway through it. And the reason we gave this case today and this case study is "One Blade Runner" is one of my favourite movies. It's an excellent film. Just saying. And secondly, when we look at the changes that are coming under enterprise agreement. Can you see the problems in yeah. it? Because we're going to yeah. have more standouts. Yes. Yeah. And that's because of supply chain, not yeah. because of
1: COVID. No, that's right. It's going
0: to change. Yeah. And we're yeah. already seeing supply chain problems. We yeah. are. The non-delivery yeah. of key parts to the manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. That people can't absolutely. Yeah. And we're with one business that ended up with 340 units mm. sitting yeah. outside of the factory waiting for individual yeah. parts. Nothing could be done. And yeah. they should have stood down. That's right. So there you go. That's it. This is our first time back. Lovely to be back. Great to have him, Matt. Wish no, Nina it was here. Yes, so yes. Good to in, Nina. Oh, killing him yeah. in
1: court. Absolutely, yeah. I yeah. to Karen out there. We miss yeah. you already. That's right. And please don't forget to, you know, react to the post. Yeah, like, please react. You know, that's give right. Give Andrew the heart as he really likes. Yeah, like, I like the thinky face. Thinky You've face got to find the heart life. with me. That's a stuff. Yeah, that's yet, true. find yeah. the heart. There. Once you find it, react. it now. Out. Thanks. Bye-bye.